I want to begin the show by taking you back to 1988. Cornell University, a graduate student, Robert Morris. He wants to figure out how many computers are connected to this weird thing called the internet. So he comes up with this program, he sends it out like this little Trojan. It's gonna go in and just count if you happen to be part of the internet. Almost overnight, he takes down 6,000 computers. He corrupts them with this program. That's one-tenth of the computers at the time attached to the internet. And he gets a three-year suspended sentence. He becomes known as the first cyber criminal, even though that wasn't his intention. Now let me fast forward to the year 2000. Words like malware, phishing, cyber predators, cyber crime, they weren't part of my vernacular. Maybe they were penned by sci-fi or futurists. But now, not that long after, they're part of my conversation. They're part of my conversation with my daughters. I think about them with my business. Matter of fact, if I'm in small business, I consider that more of a danger and more of a threat than my competition. So today we're gonna to talk about cybercrime. We're going to talk about it not in terms of the sky falling. We're, not, we're going to hear some very telling statistics about how serious it is, but we're also going to talk about what we can do to help prevent it. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network, and this is Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Joining me now are three very special guests. Two need no introduction. Sarah and Brian Baumler, we know them as international television stars. They rock HGTV. They also are serial entrepreneurs. They own 17 businesses. But we can also relate to them as parents of four children and having their own parents. Cybersecurity matters to them. And with them, Adam Evans. He's the Chief Information Security Officer for RBC. Sought after speaker, thought leader, an absolute expert in what we can do to set up the kind of prevention we need to help thwart the kind of attacks that are happening every day. Sarah and Brian and Adam, welcome to Chatter That Matters. I'm, I'm terrified now. <laughs> so Adam, I wanna start with you. I mean, I sort of laid it out. This is parents, they have parents, they've got celebrities. I mean, is this the kind of periscope that the dark web looks around and says, these are targets? Yeah, so I think in the last you know 10 or 15 years, there really has been a significant change in what I would refer to as a threat landscape for business owners, for celebrities, for individuals. And what's really accelerated that change is, is the democratization of crime or the commoditization of crime. You have the ability uh, in the dark web and in underground marketplaces to scale attacks and launch them from across the globe. So it's very, very different than it was 10 or 15 years ago with traditional forms of crime. So when you've created these platforms that allow you to collect one information at scale and tailor campaigns that are targeting individuals, targeting organizations, and you can do it with a velocity and the success rates becoming very, very high, it attracts more people into this underground economy because the revenues that they're creating are substantial. By 2025, they're talking about a $10 trillion economy in this underground market. You know, I get asked all the time, you know, is it, you know, if I have a lot of money, am I a bigger target? It's a numbers game for these folks. It's about how many things can I broadcast across the globe? How many people can I get to click on links? How many people can I socially engineer to download a file or interact with me as a threat actor in some way, shape or form? Then they build these business models on top of that, data brokerage services, crime as a service, money laundering as a service. They have 24-7 help desks. They have people that can support you if your website's not working properly. So they really have democratized it. So Sarah and Brian, I mean, this it is frightening because we hear about stuff. And I'm, I'm just curious, when did you start having the conversations as a couple 
about the sense that people could be peering in, literally using your computers, your, your digital devices as almost a Trojan horse to wander in and, and poke around in your lives. I, I mean, I think my concern started, you know, as, as, as the kids started to get more involved in social media. And we've seen it. Um, we have a 17-year-old son that, that is pretty savvy. And, and not only savvy, but he's, pre- he's pretty disengaged from social and from the internet. And, you know, he's, he's focused more on, on a horse at the moment. So that's, it's not really a concern there. We have a 15-year-old daughter that is very engaged in social media that, that we monitor and attempt to monitor. And, and we, we learned some lessons and, and I think had very open conversations with the kids that if you take a photo, and send it to someone or, or post it somewhere, even if you delete it, it exists. And you may as well put it on a billboard on the side of the highway uh, because the potential is there for someone to do that. And we have had uh, some some very serious conversations with the younger kids as well. You know, your 15-year-old daughter, very involved in social media, but when I was growing up, my sister had a journal and it was off limits to their, her parents, you know, my parents. It was like, that's my journal. How do you wander into that world and, and try to coach her on what is right or wrong when she sort of says, this is my universe, these are the validations that I'm after, these are my friends, these are my likes, stay away. I think there's a, a challenge or, or we're facing, I think right now, because we have different ages of our kids and they all interact with social media and which is the internet in general in very different ways. And so our conversations have to be different depending on the child and where we think they're going to navigate on the web. So. For our 15-year-old daughter, our conversations need to be more, come from a positive side, from a proactive side, and not from a sense of, we're taking your phone, we're checking what you've been doing. So we're trying to, I think, with her, instill things at the earlier stage to sort of just open the conversation, talk about what's wrong, but then also feel like we're putting our trust in her. Because there's this fine line as parents that you want to establish that comfort level and that trust. And I don't always believe that taking their phones and saying, okay, weekly, I'm going to check what sites you've been on is necessarily the right way to go about it. So I think we're kind of navigating that with each child and their own personality a little bit. So Brian, I mean, when my parents first talked to me about creeps and what to watch out and certainly had that conversation with my sisters. I really entrusted them. They were adults. They had the currency. But today, very often, your kids have more digital competency than you do. How do you find a way to wander into that conversation with them going, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I, I think as soon as your kids are teenagers and we, you know, we realize, I think when we had children, I apologized to my parents because I realized, <laughs> you know, what, what, what it was all about. But as teenagers, we get, we get that a lot. I think the, you, you don't know what you're talking about. We find out there's, there's apps and there's social platforms that we've never heard of. Uh, that all of a sudden all the kids are on and they're sharing. So it really is about that conversation. I think it's it's similar to when when we were younger, the conversation that mom and dad had with us about drinking or beer. It's like, if you want to do it, phone me. You're in trouble, but here's what can happen. Explain all the things and leave the door open for the conversation that they feel comfortable coming to us. Uh, you know, we've certainly told them if if you feel uncomfortable, if there's something you don't know. And it, there's so much to, to teach them and and uh, and protect them from that that you almost don't know where to start. But off camera, we're, you were sharing a story about one of your daughters, your youngest daughter, I yeah. believe, and and you know the promise of getting more followers. I can imagine her eyes getting excited because she's yeah. competing with her older sister, and obviously you're a celebrity, and that turned into a tougher conversation. Didn't it, it did. Uh, you know, Josephine is is nine, is starting to get active on social media, but it's like look at my horse and look at my bracelet. And, you know, there are a lot of things that we would recognize as fishing or a trap or a, 
call me now and I'll, I'll get you a hundred thousand followers. And, and to them, that's amazing. You know, we monitor the younger kids. We have it on our phone and messages pop up and what have you. And there's this interaction of, I'll get you this. I'll get you that. I'll trade you this. I'll do, oh, where do you live? And you know, it starts to get more and more of a personal conversation. So I, uh, I'll paraphrase, but I asked him not to communicate with her anymore. <laughs> that nicely, I imagine. That nicely. <laughs> I said, do me a favor. Um, blocked. And then, but then the first thing we did is sat down with Josephine. We explained that this is, you know, they're looking for, for one of three things. They're, they're looking for personal information. They're potentially looking for, uh, assets, photos, inappropriate things, or maybe they're, maybe they're looking for money. They're certainly not, you know, they didn't just pick you randomly out of, out of billions of people to assist out of the goodness of their heart. So I think part of it is just educating them to understand that. And it's the same as the phone calls you get with the duck cleaning or you want a cruise or you have this or that. It's, you know, all you have to do is, uh, or the CRA. I get a lot of calls from the CRA that if I don't call today, I'm going to For good to jail. reason. You own 17 businesses. <laughs> yeah, well, they, just, they want my credit card number. I don't know why. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to navigate. Adam, you know, you talked about 10 trillion by 2025. That's a massive number. Is children a big target? And if so, what should parents be doing to try to create a moat and some level of protection? Brian and Sarah, what they just walked through is absolutely the right thing to be doing. It's having the conversation. And that seems to be the hardest part for people to get through one, because parents are typically coming from an uninformed point of view, right? We are a generation, collectively, we're a generation that grew up without the internet. And, you know, we are figuring out the technology as we go. You know, we've turned into this uh, society where our children are consumers of technology without understanding the pitfalls of that technology. And our parents are trying to get onto the same technology, but there's a healthy level of skepticism there. And the threat actors now target, they use that information to target them differently. For our parents, it's the CRA scams and it's the grandparent scams where, you know, one of their grandchildren or purported grandchildren calls them up and says, do you know who this is? Yes, it's so-and-so. Well, now I've established an identity with a grandparent and I need you to send money because I've run out of money where I am. And they will send it to an account and obviously it's a fraudulent uh, or it's a fraud scam. On the children's side of it, 80% of children across the globe at some point in time will be victimized online, which is an extraordinary number when you think about how interconnected they are today. 55% of those kids will be exposed to illicit content before they are age appropriate. It is a place where these things are, you know, they're sitting out there, whether it's individuals reaching out through social media and luring or grooming um, and, and starting to contact um, younger people, but everybody is at risk. I see something that says warning. An elaborate tech support scam targeting elderly at an alarming rate. I gave them my password, went back to my computer the next day. I couldn't access my files. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Joining me today is Sarah and Brian Baumler, television stars, successful entrepreneurs, and Adam Evans, Vice President of Cyber Operations and Chief Information Security Officer for RBC. You talk about parents, and let's move because you have parents, and it's just hilarious when I see the connection, between, especially between you and your dad. He probably regrets having you at times, too. No, <laughs> uh, but, no, no surprise. <laughs> but, he, uh, but how do you deal with I mean, we talked about the CRA scam, but th- these are people that are just trying to fit in with their grandkids and send pictures, and yeah. they're just trying to be relevant. I mean, I remember my dad coming home one time and picking up the TV converter and trying to make a phone call. It's a generation gap. 
you're in the sandwich generation. You got these kids you're worried about, you got your parents. Yeah. Any thoughts on what you're doing to keep them safe? I mean, we we talk to, especially my parents, I think more and more, because you know, my parents believe anything that's on Facebook. We get calls, you know, get you sold the hotel, you're you're divorced, you had another baby, uh, you you crashed your plane. You, I mean, it nonstop. And I think, you know, parents and, and ch- maybe children are a little more in tune to that, that not everything on the internet is is true. It's all crafted and, and delivered in a way that that uh, they want it to be true. But I mean, we had my parents bought an entirely new heating system, uh, you know, from one of these things that, that never arrived. They didn't know a good contractor to get they one? They didn't know. <laughs> Apparently not. I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that. But um, when you're exposed to that much information, you have to be very selective and, and you know, do your due diligence and your, I mean, there's things uh, all over the internet about me with being sued by big pharma because my CBD oil is, you know, curing cancer and they're upset about that. I, I have nothing to do with that. Apparently we, we're, we're deep into cryptocurrency and we're investing in that and selling it. You know, I, I get these emails all the time. Like I bought your crypto and I haven't got an email back and it's like, that's not me. (laughs) I think too, though, when you look at our kids, there are things as parents that it's almost easier when you're, when you're thinking of your children to find apps that are out there for protection for, for them, for their phones, have those conversations, but you don't look to those same things when it comes to your parents. So it's, it's, it's almost like trying to find out if there are some of those things that are available because there are so many things from, from the child perspective that we talk about in steps that we're going to, you know, first conversation, second conversation, third conversation, but you don't sit down with your elderly parents and, and do that because your relationship is very different. So those are, I think, how we look to other, other adults in our same position yeah. right now and sort of saying, how are you handling it, this with your aging parents? And I wish there was maybe more available, more apps available. Maybe there is that I need to learn about as well. Parental is- controls for your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but it's suitable, it's suitable to that yeah. generation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that educates them that we could put that forth to them that wouldn't feel that it's demeaning in yeah. any way. You know, your conversation is different when it's with your elderly parents. Just curious, who runs the IT for your parents? Like, who's their de facto IT person? Is there an IT person? I mean, I think it's just any of the children. Yeah, when, like when something, you know, our like, nieces and yeah, like yeah. your mom goes to but every child. One of the things <laughs> we've done as well to, to kind of get ahead of that is we've gotten involved with my parents' financial management. We've sat down, had the conversation and, and said, hey, let's, before we get a horrible phone call and, and, and life moves on in that circle and we have to deal with estate planning and everything, let's have that conversation now. Let's get involved. Let's start planning this. Let's budget so that you're, you're removing a bit of that risk from, you know, they've now sent all their money to uh, their nephew they didn't know mm-hmm. overseas. So we've started to get more involved in that and, and keep an eye on things without without being too controlling it's 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 a fine line i think sarah said a great point when she said you know it is a different conversation because you're you're now parenting your parent so (laughs) what thoughts do you have on that Uh, because we're all dealing with i mean my mother-in-law i'm her de facto it person she has no idea is how little i know (laughs) well uh, we've had the conversation about my mom she's 75 years old and you know she's in vancouver and i will do a facetime with her when she's trying to set up a piece of technology and try to does she need her ducks cleaned though (laughs) (laughs) that's the vulnerability that these folks are preying on is one, they don't want to admit that they don't know. And if they get caught, they feel silly. So these are all the things, the social engineering tactics that are being used 
is to really expose that in the older generation. You know, what you're talking about is having an eye on on their finances and making sure if you see something, duck cleaning service or whatever it may be on the credit card that you can flag it. Like, what is this coming from? And, and, and how did it start, the conversation start? Having, you know, a credit card with a limit on it for online purchases is another great way to sort of protect the financial exposure that some of our parents have. They have wealth and obviously bad guys know that. Running their IT at home and you, you know, you joked about parental filters, Brian, but it's that sort of thing, right? All this technology now has the ability to configure where they can go to on the internet and protecting them from certain places on the internet, making sure that their phones and their tablets auto update. My mom had a laptop for a long time and we got rid of it, got her a tablet. It was much easier for her to manage. It was easier, one, for her to operate, but two, it was easier to manage the security around it. So talking to her about just best practices, if you're sitting in a Starbucks on your tablet, don't do online banking. Wait till you go home and you're on a network that you trust. Well, I should have known that last week. <laughs> Is this conversation so, too late? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's certain things. And funnily enough, it, it you know that transports over into, into the children's world as well, where you've got parental filters that you can put on. And for your nine-year-olds, you can, you know, you can customize their experience on the internet. And for the 17-year-old or 16-year-old, you can do the same thing, but it's a different experience. As long as they're accessing that through that area. I mean, it was the same, I, I think, for us when, you know, they said, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, well, I can, I can do it this way. Um, and, and one of those things for the parents as well, I, I remember, you know, making a joke with my mom when she said, well, this, I need to get my, my uh, malware, you know, my protection in place. And I said, what, what are you worried about? You know, is someone going to you know, track down when, you know, uh, Bridge Club is and, and ha- how many solitaire losses you've had? Um, so as soon as you update that kind of stuff, how quickly is there a new backdoor, a new loophole, a new... Yeah, there's always, there's, there's always vulnerabilities that are coming out. Certainly, in the, you know, in the last 10 years, when you think about all the platforms that are being created, the LinkedIn's, the Facebook's, the Instagram's, the Snapchat's, like all of those things, they're all putting applications on your phones and on your tablets. And over time, they become vulnerable. It's making sure that you've got the ability to update them as fast as you can. So setting things for auto update is one of the, you know, one of the pieces of advice that we give people is, you know, let those companies do what they're supposed to do. Update your devices, update your software, run security software. So it's not a silver bullet, right? The first line of defense is the human that's operating the technology, right? So education. I hear with, with the elderly when I was researching this that, that one of the chess moves on the board for these criminals is this sense of fear, you know, and that could be the CRA calling or that. Is that part of the conversation that we should be teaching our parents about tactics, whether it's fear, too good to be true, that nobody's really going to send you $342 million from from a, an oil Prince kingdom, Prince of Nigeria and stuff. I mean, is that, I, I know there, as you said, it, it, sometimes it can just seem demeaning, but is it part of the narrative to story tell a little bit more so that they understand that they're a victim and it could be a victim? If we tell the story right, we can turn them from victim into an empowered individual. Yeah. And I think that's for, for children, for elders, for us as individuals, education is the pathway out. So understanding the normal tools and tactics. Yes, they use anxiety, 
right? Your parents do not want to have a call from CRA saying they're delinquent on taxes. That creates a lot of anxiety for people. IRS in the United States, you're going to go to jail if you don't send us this money. So anxiety, urgency is part of the, the, the toolbox that they use to get you to interact with them in some way, shape or form. Children is very different, right? The, the behavior of the children is going to require them to interact in a very different way. What do kids care about? They care about likes. They care about external validation, all of those things. That's how they introduce themselves to, to children. And that's where the conversation gets picked up. Do you think that in that dark web, they're actually employing psychologists as well to really understand those hot buttons? They understand human behavior extremely well. And you think about, you know, criminals um, that have been around for, for years. Human behavior is something they understand. They understand when they walk into a room, if you, you know, in the presence of, of a hacker, somebody that's been a criminal before, I did a speaking tour with Frank Abagnale a couple of years ago. And when he walked into a room, he looked at all of the things that he could break or bypass within 10 minutes of being there just how he was wired. And I think they're very- It's almost it, a game to them, right? Very much so. They're very in tune with human behavior and the kinds of things that humans are susceptible to. And that's where I think the education piece is really important is being that, that healthy skepticism, I think is, is something that everybody has to have. Coming up, Adam Evans talks to Sarah and Brian about their growing business enterprises that span Canada, United States, and Bahamas, and what they need to do to be cyber aware and cyber safe. Hi, it's Tony Chapman, host of Chatter That Matters. You lock your doors, you protect your valuables, but how about your online activities? Cybercrime has become a household word, one of the biggest concerns facing businesses today. A big shout out to RBC for creating The Vault, an online cyber safety playbook packed with tips and steps you can take to counter cyber threats. Visit rbc.com cyber and download your playbook today. Helping you protect your online activities? Well, that matters to RBC. Well, hackers have been attacking businesses of all sizes and types. COVID-19 pandemic has created a breeding ground for cybercrime. Why is that? Everyone was out of the office. Everyone was working remotely. They're not protected by those corporate firewalls and those systems. By 2025, cybercrime globally could amount to $10.5 trillion. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Joining me today is Sarah and Brian Baumler, television stars, successful entrepreneurs, and Adam Evans, Vice President of Cyber Operations and Chief Information Security Officer for RBC. So you've both been on the show before, and I'm in awe by how you've gone from hammering nails to hammering out international deals to 17 businesses. I mean, you're incredibly, and you were even gifted both of you entrepreneurs even before we knew you on television. So Small business is a big issue because you're controlling this sort of trap line of all these businesses. I understand from my research, small businesses fears cyber attacks more than anything. And they're highly vulnerable because they don't have the resources and they don't even know really who they're doing business with. What are you doing within your enterprises to try to help protect the fact that, you know, these are well-known businesses and you're dealing with a lot of suppliers, freelancers, contractors. Great question. I think we have to have a, we need to have a follow-up meeting back to the office. Um, I mean, for us, a lot of our, a lot of our businesses are tangible. 
you know, we're, we're manufacturing cabinets in Quebec. We're hammering nails into, into two by fours, you know, um, and a lot of the suppliers and, and customers we, we know personally. So our, our machine is kind of set up where it's, we're accounting and yeah, I would be more concerned about a tax on that. I mean, yeah, I think from, from we need to get more involved in our IT. <laughs> yeah. Well, from my perspective, like I've just newly launched into e-commerce and that's something that is worrisome on my end because it's you're trying in the state of a new business to to put yourself out there to to build this community that trusts you of customers and then on the flip hand you're investing all your time and resources into that but then you also are so fearful of the fact that they are entrusting their their payment methods and all of their data with you and you are the keeper of all that so i think for for small businesses like like where i'm at right now it's very worrisome and you don't really know where you should look and and i think it's something that you're trying to educate yourself as you go but you're you're trying to keep up as things come into the the community as quickly as you can while still feeling honest and open to your customer base. And that fear of cybercrime, I mean, we we see it, again, our images have been used to, you know, sell crypto and CBD oil and, and all kinds of things. And then when there is a legitimate business, people look at it and they say, oh, is this is this a scam? Uh, you know, we're, we're currently building self storage units and, and doing, you know, investments in those and creating funds and people, well, that's, that's gotta be a, a scam, like your crypto and your CBD. And so that creates a new challenge for business as well. The fear of cybercrime mm-hmm. affects our ability to market legitimate. Uh, business. So that's a challenge as well. You know, and I love what just, Harry, you just said, which I never thought about is now you're not only worried about you being attacked, you're now taking responsibility for people entrusting you with money as well. So Adam, t- yeah. small business, I mean, you know, this is the heart of the Canadian economy. This is 98% of all businesses are small. And what advice can you bring them in terms of, again, creating that moat? There are so many dimensions of risk to a small and medium sized business. And the first of which is, I want to be able to scale my business to meet as many customers as possible, but I need to keep my business small and agile. So I don't necessarily have the resources to go out there and procure a security team to help me protect myself. So that's the first problem. The second problem is, you know, in an e-commerce business, you're collecting customer data and there are, you know, legislation out there now that requires you to protect the privacy of the data that, that you're collecting. And if you think about, you know, the brand of, of Brian and Sarah, that is coming under attack more and more. Disinformation campaigns, fraud scams. We're seeing more of the battlefield moving onto things like social media, which makes it really difficult to protect against. Just fake, fake profiles being created yeah. daily that are all, oh, thank you for, and they're all replying to our own social media posts. Thank you for posting. Click here to send me a private message so we can chat. Uh, and we try and keep on top of this stuff, but it is, it seems endless. Unrelenting. Yes. There are, you know, there, there are services that are out there that will help monitor things like social media and you can verify your legitimate profiles and they will work on your behalf to take fraudulent profiles down. So there's brand impact that comes along with the but fraud. But can a small business afford it? I mean, I understand the cyber protection business is going to be 240 billion by the time they're stealing 10 trillion. But a little guy. I mean, a little business. Which side do you invest in? <laughs> you are shameless. Where's the better ROI? <laughs> so, you know, I, as, as small and medium-sized business owners, it's it's important to understand the risks that you're trying to manage. And 
the data is got to be the primary after you've protected your employees because quite honestly cybersecurity and physical security those worlds are starting to come together and you know in a, in a building downtown if there's a cyber event and they drop the locks to the building all of a sudden you have staff that are exposed mm -hmm. so these worlds are coming together in a small and medium-sized business it's understanding Am I protecting intellectual property? Am I protecting a customer base? Do I have financial systems that I use to manage my portfolio of businesses? And do you understand one who connects to those, those systems? Do you understand where they connect from? Which devices are they using to connect? Are they bringing their home PCs to your corporate office, connecting to your Wi-Fi where all your financial servers are? So creating separation between these worlds is going to be really important. And then obviously, you know, with kids moving in and out of your home network and possibly ending up in your office, are you guys taking your computers from home and into the corporate environment? The bad guys can, they can compromise the system and then you bring it to the office. And then they're on your office network with a compromised system. And so think about what's there. Right? Remote There's working must have made your role almost impossible because you're dealing with, there's nothing contained anymore. Yeah, it was difficult. So within two weeks, we had to move 85,000 people out of office buildings where we had spent 10 years building security and we sent them home. And all of a sudden you have people that are connecting in remotely. They're on networks at home that have smart TVs and smart furnaces. And I'm sure lots of things that you put into the homes that you build. And the protection, the threat surface now changes. So we had to get, you know, we had to we had to think pretty quickly about how we were going to protect a workforce in a completely remote working environment. Um, but that's not uncommon in small, medium sized businesses. So you, right? you really either I mean, as a, as a small business owner, I feel like I either need to go back to night school for five years <laughs> to become an I.T. specialist, mm -hmm. at which point that information will probably be updated <laughs> or or hire someone that understands and keeps up with that to manage you know, our, our online security. So that now, because there's the threats and the, and that is now becoming a cost. It becomes part of your business model. You betcha. So, you know, when, when we looked at our, our client community and small and medium sized businesses, we've been collaborating with businesses that can help provide those services to our, our medium, small and medium sized client segment. And I think the reason is one, you know, a lot of the companies don't have the financial wherewithal. They are just starting their cybersecurity journey. And then, you know, what are some of the risks that you are trying to manage as a small and medium sized business owner? You guys, I think, are very different in that you have a very recognizable brand. You've got 17 companies. You've got, um, you know, you're, you're traveling to and from different locations. You've got four kids that are in your corporate environment, in your home environment. There's a lot of challenges um, along that go along with how you're operating your life and your business. You know, it's an interesting thing, and we talked about it earlier, this concept of nothing is free. And we learned that about the data we surrendered into social media. We're also learning to be very careful about free Wi-Fi because free Wi-Fi is just, you're just porous, right? The threat that is associated with free Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi in and of itself is not a bad thing. But what you have to understand is when you join a network, you're on that network with other people that you don't know. And they could be there legitimately, they could be there for illegitimate purposes. And once you're on and connected, they can see your system, they can see how you're interacting, and they can try to target you and compromise you. If they are successful, they can decrypt all of the traffic that you are sending to and from 
shopping applications, online banking, whatever it may be. All my credit cards All stored your, in my auto pay. So if it, depending on, on how they compromise you. So my advice is always, if you're on an open Wi-Fi, just wait to do your banking, wait to do anything sensitive. It goes back to what are your most sensitive information assets, right? Your passwords, credentials to all your online accounts, your financial information, all of that sort of stuff. Wait till you're on a, on a network that you trust before you start doing that sort of work. And it's just a good way to separate these two worlds. So we disconnect from your <laughs> You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Joining me today is Sarah and Brian Baumler, television stars, successful entrepreneurs, and Adam Evans, Vice President of Cyber Operations and Chief Information Security Officer for RBC. So the, uh, the last thing I want to talk to you two about that not everybody shares, but certainly is fascinated about is celebrity. And by the way, Sarah, congratulations on what you're doing uh, in terms of your business and e-commerce and building a global brand. When I learned celebrities and hacking, um, Biden, Barack Obama, I mean, the Kardashians, and they probably wanted to be hacked, but you know, a lot of people out there that you would think have a fortress built around them. What are you thinking about in terms of celebrity? Because you could go from being the darlings of television, which you are now, to be the devils, just because of how somebody might take it. So are you doing anything? We can do that in editing, too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> are we doing I don't think we're doing enough in yeah. all honesty because I think you know I think probably and I can only speak for myself but Brian and I have come from just the start from the, from the ground up you know every business that we talk about now that we own and operate has started with the same you know sitting at the kitchen table scratching out an idea creating a concept like every business does and you come at it with such passion, but also sometimes with a lack of knowledge in the other areas that are needed to support the business as it grows. And perhaps it's it's asking enough questions to who it is at different stages. You know, in your first year of business, you need to be really focusing on this. By the time you've reached this growth stage, you need to be looking at these elements. And I think all of our businesses are at different levels. So what we need for one, we don't need for the other. And I think that's, it's just a huge learning The umbrella, game. the halo is your last name. I mean, you're attached to so many of these businesses. What could they possibly do knowing that they've got so many different moving pieces? Some of it's just in the kitchen table. Some are mature businesses. You're starting off, you're going global now. What are you doing with this? I've heard about the vault. Well, tell me a little bit about what you're doing to at least help clients of your bank even feel somewhat confident that they've got a strategy. It sort of grew out of conversations that I was having with clients. And every time I'd sit down with a, with a set of clients, it was always, where do I start? So we created the vault, which is interactive page where people can go and get resources about how do I secure my iPhone when I get a new phone? Or, you know, when I'm setting up my home network, what are the things that I should be thinking about? And just best practices guides um, about how to consume technology. And then we said, you know, we think we're sort of onto something with the vault and we want to make it a little bit more um, client ready. The team has done a wonderful job going and, and collecting all the information and putting it into a format that's consumable for people. Because if it's technology speak, it's very difficult. But if it's very easy to understand the chances of them adopting it and using it in their daily life, that starts them on their journey. And a safer person at home is going to be a safer client when they're banking with us. Is the vault only available to RBC clients? No, the vault is available to anybody. So, so how would I get it? Uh, at rbc.com slash cyber. And the vault is in that portal. And we've got a whole bunch of educational materials in there. The vault is the newest thing that's been put in. 
Um, and it talks about best practices. There's other resources in there that talk about normal scams or techniques that are used by criminals to target people. Um, and uh, as I said, social media is sort of the new frontier for these guys to start using the information because it is, it's content rich. There's just so much there that they can use, pictures, video, audio and uh, and print. My concern is, and, and we get the emails all the time, someone else's grandma, your, your mom, uh, may have you know ordered $1,000 worth of CBD oil that doesn't exist because my face is on the bottle. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and you, you bought all that crypto from me uh, <laughs> that doesn't exist. What? So the, yeah, <laughs> so we get these very angry emails from people's parents saying, I, you know, I haven't heard back and I have, and we now feel the need to protect other people because our brand is being used through this. So the, the interesting part, I think, on the brand side of it, and, and you guys are experiencing it in a very different way than, than most people do, but we are certainly seeing a, a larger push into this, this space by threat actors. And they're leveraging, you know, your likeness and using it for fraud scams, ad scams, you know, whatever the case may be. And it becomes very difficult to control because you don't control the systems that this is happening on. We so, can't even find the people, right. you know, we've, we've tried and we, we can't find the people creating the content. It is, it, it is incredibly difficult. And I think that the broader the, broader the brand, um, we go through this as a global banking institution. The higher profile the brand, the broader the brand gets, the more content is out there. And you create this data exhaust for yourselves. And that data exhaust is being looked at and collected. And that is what they are using to start targeting. And they are just trying to do, you know, as I said, this is a scale game. They collect it, they enrich the information and they start targeting individuals. And your brand is one of the brands that is recognized and is being used. I look at it almost like we talk so much or in the world that I'm in right now, a lot about health and wellness, but it's this wellness on the cyber side as well that I think needs to become a conversation, right? It, it needs to be more because the two now are, are cold, like they're just existing together. Your own health, our own stresses and worries, they're connected with, with cyber attacks and everything. So I think that sort of wellness in the cyber space needs yeah. to be discussed very openly with kids, yeah. with adults, yeah. and, and just find a way for that to be part of our conversations that we're talking about in general. Something tells me you're already thinking of a new business. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, the good news is... I can literally hear your wheels turning. The wheels are spinning, and I, I see, a, I see a, a, a service, a great service business so, here. So as we wrap up the, uh, the show, I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of fear that's been steeping in the show, but the idea of Chatter That Matters is also about positivity and possibility, right. things we can do. So I'm just getting curious, as, as you were kind enough to give us the audience the time, but how are you thinking as as an audience, when you're listening to all this? I, it, I mean, it does sound terrifying to a degree, and I, th I think it all comes down to education. Yeah. Same yeah. thing we talk to our children and our parents about, and ourselves, and you have to remember, if, if you take that picture, if you post it online, if you email it, if you send it, it exists. It's out there, you may as well put it on a billboard. Mm -hmm. that, that's yeah. a key thing to remember. But I mean, it, it all anything you put out there, it is accessible. So I, what I've learned is that we have a lot to learn about IT. That's the that's the terrifying thing I've learned this morning. Tony, so I appreciate that. Appreciate the start of the day. Sarah's been trying to teach you that for a very long time. You have a lot to learn. That's more and more every day. 
Yeah, I, you know what I do? I sort of second what Brian says. I think we have a lot to learn. I think we've had these conversations with our kids and I'm actually proud of where we are and their, their comfort level and their engagement in social. But I think when it comes to our businesses, perhaps that's an area that, yeah. you know, you, you tend to focus on your family first and perhaps we haven't been spending enough time or attention on the businesses. And that's a, a reality of this conversation today. Yeah, I think we're not as concerned, you know, with the information we've shared with our kids and we talked to them about, it and, you know, we're not as concerned of, about someone convincing them that there's free candy, you yeah. know, at the end of the street to meet them in the van. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we have that open, honest conversation with them. I'm more concerned about the things that we don't know we're at risk for, right? mm-hmm. uh, the information, the financial, uh, that kind of thing, that that's what worries me more. And as the brand grows, as the businesses grow, the threat surface grows right alongside of it. And I think when I'm talking to clients, the journey, it's the starting the journey and starting small. I'm sure you didn't learn how to build a house in a day. I'm sure you didn't learn how to build your businesses overnight. It (laughs) It takes time. And I think acquiring that knowledge over time, you learn, you get better at it, you iterate, and you just sort of go through that journey, the learning. And you're right, the knowledge is power. Turning yourself from the victim into, okay, so I'm going to take control of this thing and I'm going to start focusing on the things that matter, whether it's your data, the kids, whatever the case may be, and putting the resources that you have to good use to protect the businesses and the brand and the family. What is the biggest threat right now to to a business owner, to an individual? What is the biggest, you know, IT risk? Is it getting your credit card to somebody and losing money? In the credit card space, you you generally have protections against fraud and things like that. I would say it's a disruption to your business through something like a ransomware attack. And the reason I say that is the way that ransomware attacks have evolved in the last two or three years is it starts with data theft. Someone says, you're not getting back into your system. I just took over your TV. I just took over your laptop. I just took over all your servers at work and I want a million dollars. But before they do that, they grab all of your sensitive information assets and they move them out of the company. And if you're not gonna pay, well, I'm gonna release all of your customers' information online. So in this underground economy, they have people that specialize in extortion tactics. Like these are highly organized criminals. so we know that if, if a small and medium-sized business suffers an attack like that, chances are they're out for two, three, four weeks, if not longer, and it gets expensive. And then the recovery of it, and then you've got- the trust that you have to rebuild exactly. with your you clientele. If you do it well, I think you can strengthen the trust. If you're transparent with your customers, you can strengthen that trust. If you do it wrong, it can kill your company. And that's the thing I think is, is making sure you've got a plan, you understand how you're gonna recover and being prepared for the when event. Um, because it's not if, it's gonna be when it happens. Or do you have the people around you that can make decisions um, to get you out of it, but also to maintain the, the, the trust of your client? Yeah, I, I picture someone going in and moving all of our money from one place to another and it's gone, but it, it's actually, it's your data. It's your ability to operate your business that is Correct. at risk. So I always end my show with my three takeaways. And the first one from you, Adam, which I thought was amazing, and it kind of really talks about conversations, is instead of thinking about being a victim, think about what you can do to empower yourself or others to really set up the proper defense. Sarah, I I loved your thought and just even the look in your eyes when you just talked about now I'm in an e-commerce business. There's a collective consciousness now. It's not just about, am I going to be attacked? And I think you brought it in as well, Brian, when you're talking about the fact our brand name, we feel accountable. Somebody bought that CBD oil. 
And I think the third thing is just, yes, it's probably not if, but when, but I think, as you said, it, you know, you don't learn to build a house overnight. It's what we can do to take the proper steps to really set ourselves up so that we're at least prepared and maybe even better because it's, a lot of these attacks are random. If they think we have a, some kind of fortress, they'll, they'll move on. So I just want to give a big uh, thank you, first of all, Sarah and Brian for coming up and, uh, and sharing a lot of intimate thoughts about your family, your businesses and your celebrity. And Adam, always it's a pleasure because you do have a vault of knowledge. I can understand why rbc.com slash cyber is where the vault is. So thank you uh, all for being a part of it. Chatter That Matters has been a presentation of RBC. Fridays, join Tony Chapman for Chatter That Matters on the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. It's Tony Chapman. Let's chat soon.